0: Take the usual podcast hosts, and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the podcast matrix hosting, and experience a completely different world of podcast hosting. What is the podcastmatrix.com?
1: When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think? While most will recollect a certain impossible to be killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition, episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast, from Two Guys Talking Horror.
0: The acts that stage magicians put on are often spellbinding. They make us doubt our eyes and want to wipe the cobwebs from our collective senses to explain what we've just witnessed. Whether it's simply producing, say, a bouquet of flowers, or defying the doom that awaits inside a modern-day Iron Maiden, one thing is sure. You never know what you've actually seen until you see it. A Magician's Contest and the Trail of Blood leading to and from it are the focus inside this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 6,
1: The Great Montero.
0: Greetings everybody, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And uh, Nicholas J. Hern, and
2: your other host.
0: Nick, some quick housekeeping. Another nod to the Podcaster Matrix. I love interacting with a podcast host that understands how I work. Mm -hmm. You and I are going to be compositing about 80 episodes of this podcast when it's all said and done. And I know we need a place that will be able to take them up, take them up quickly, but more importantly, take them up and charge us a fair price for what's being done.
2: And actually be able to hold all of our episodes.
0: Right, right. For those of you that are curious, the Podcaster Matrix is where Nick and I host the Curious Goods podcast. And by the way, it's our entire podcast library for the Curious Goods podcast. If you're looking for a place to host your entire podcast library, make sure you check out the Podcaster Matrix, podcastermatrix.com. Nick, I've donned my top hat and cape. I see that your bustier is working
2: Yes. Well, I had to add in a couple of uh, straps in this corset. But i tell you what, these these stockings are amazing. You know what? I
0: agree. They are amazing. Almost as amazing as our retelling of this episode of Friday the 13th, Season 1, Episode 6.
1: The Great Montero.
0: Ah, the dressing room of any modern-day actor. It's a place where you'll find people walking in, having drinks, and one of them being Cosby'd. Wah, we, see wah, that, wah. we see that in the start of this episode. Oh, yes. As we find one of the previous magicians preparing for his act.
2: The Great Fatim! the yeah,
0: Great Fatim gets prepared for his act and then heads out to the stage, on which is his assistant, Rob, who has a very interesting mustache let's just let's keep it uh, there.
2: and and even though it's hidden a very interesting mullet under his turban
0: very interesting under the turbans I've forgotten the turbans well okay, yes the great
2: Fatim they're all decked out in turbans him and his assistant
0: that's right that's right for those that are curious what's going to happen is the great Fatim is going to get into a box that will then be impaled by a giant mechanism with probably three and a half foot blades mm-hmm. running up and down the the slate that's going to come and penetrate the box.
2: Absolutely no way anybody could survive anything like this. Right. With real blades.
0: Right. Thankfully, Fatim survives, but only because he has one of the many lost goods from the Curious Goods antique shop that is downstairs holding the cosbyed out victim whose life is traded in exchange for the great Fatims thereby making the act work
2: And it's an act of murder And we continue the murder theme because while cleaning up <laughs> Yay, murder. well we, 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 Yay, yes murder. of course this, it's all about murder in this episode while Fatim is cleaning up things after the after his big show a mysterious off-camera presence shows up and pulls the lever, forcing the blades down on Fatim. Now, of course, Fatim dies mm-hmm. because there's no body in the uh, the special kill box, mm-hmm. and Fatim is dead. We evidently jump ahead three months right. because we, we, we find ourselves at the Curious Goods Antique Store, mm-hmm. and Jack is reading the paper and making a note of the passing of of someone he used to know, the great Fatim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And evidently all of his uh, belongings had been sold off to other music- magicians. And we learn that Jack himself was a magician in his early years. Amazing. I, I just I don't know that I can quite believe it. I totally believe it and it makes Jack Marshak even cooler. Not just cooler, but mad. Mad, the great Mad Marshak. That was his moniker back in the day when he used to do the Pendulum of Death trick.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Funny
2: enough, the newspaper article lists the Great Fatim's real name, which both Mickey and Jack find oddly familiar, which leads them to the ledger. And inside
0: the ledger, they find the Great Fatim's real name. And realize that not only does he have one of the artifacts, he has one of the largest artifacts that they can possibly have.
2: The Houdan Box. The
0: Houdan Box. And now the hunt is on for the Houdan Box.
2: Mickey and Ryan head off to talk to the great Fatim's ex-assistant, Bob, Robert, or Rob, however you want to say it, the man with the interesting mullet, who has taken up his profession, not being an assistant, but actually building magician's props for shows. Yeah. While Jack heads off to the Magic House to rekindle connections to his past to see if he can learn any information on the whereabouts of the Houdan box.
0: After meeting with one of his lifelong friends to find out more information, he finds out that there's a contest that's coming up. And at that contest, lo and behold, there's someone that will be appearing with an act that sounds suspiciously like the one that Fatim performed.
2: Yes. And it's the great Montero, who's just who's just a horrible person. He's I mean he's, an ass. he is an ass. Yells at his daughter, like talks to her like she's a dog. Very paranoid, very, very stand-up. Yeah, yeah, just just an ass. Terrible just, eyebrows. What a jerk. Yeah. I, you know what? Actually, no. I kind of like the eyebrows. That's probably the only ter- thing I liked ter- about them. Terrible man. goatee, then. Bad goatee, great eyebrows.
0: I was just thinking that. Man, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Anyway, we fast-forward a little bit more. Jack and Mickey and Ryan decide to enroll into the contest to dig even deeper to try and find the Houdan box.
2: Not a bad plan.
0: I think it's a great plan. They get literally shoulder-to-shoulder with anybody that could be a potential path to finding the Houdan box.
2: Yes. We've got the great Mad Marshak bringing back the Pendulum of Death trick. Mickey will be his lovely assistant. In a
0: bustier and not unlike Nick's.
2: Yes. And Ryan is, is basically the grunt. Ryan's the one who... Gets to pretend to load and unload all the equipment. Right. But that also allows him roadie. Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's a the road Ro- he's the magic roadie. The illusionist's roadie. <laughs> there there's an episode for you too, the illusionist's roadie. He's able to sneak around and poke his nose where other people really couldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. Because and, he's invisible. Yeah, yes, because the roadies are always he's invisible. invisible. Right. During the investigation, there are a lot of near misses. Especially on Jack's part. Mm -hmm. But during the investigation, not only does somebody come along and try to steal Jack's trick of the Pendulum of Doom, but then somebody comes along to try to kill Jack's trick by filing down the key hidden within the straitjacket that he needs to get out of the trick, leading to the death of a poor, portly... Wannabe magician who decides to masquerade as the great Mad Marshak and dies. Yeah, by being impaled.
0: I mean, it's Uh, a big deal.
2: That's a a huge deal. A
0: Huge deal. It's also one that allows us to realize that (gasps) it wasn't Jack, which is good.
2: It is good. It is good.
0: good. It's definitely good. But what we now have also is yet another unexplained death in the area. Everybody starts whittling down, hmm, who could have done this? Who could
2: it be now? Hmm. And they figure that it might be this mysterious female magician who's been throwing shade at everybody ever since she showed up. So when they go to question her, lo and behold, not only has she hung herself or appears to have hung herself, but she is not a she. She is a he. That's right. Not only is it a he, it's Rob with it's the Rob, mullet. The
0: ex-assistant with the rockin' mullet. That's right. And so now the mystery
2: deepens. It's become even more curious. Who's murdering who? And it turns out that Rob's new assistant was blackmailing Montero because they knew he had the box and they wanted the box. So because questioning the ex-assistant's new assistant... Jack, Mickey, and Ryan know who's behind everything—the Great Montero. Not
0: right, some bitch with the eyebrows and the goatee. Everybody knows that it's him.
2: Or do they? That's
0: right, because it, it turns out that it's not him. It's actually his daughter that was being put upon earlier inside the episode. So Mickey goes to alert her that it is the dad, and they eventually get onto the discussion of the Houdan box. And so the daughter chooses to go and show Mickey the box to see, hey, is that the Houdan box? But it is the Houdan box because she knows it's the Houdan box. Because she's behind it all. Right. And so she locks Mickey inside the box. She's going to be the next life-sucking victim inside the process for the Houdan box with the Great Montero upstairs.
2: Luckily, before the trick is performed on live television, Jack and Ryan notice that Montero's daughter has sawdust on the back of her dress.
0: And the only place that sawdust has been seen inside the entire building is downstairs
2: in the wine cellar where the Houdan box is! Fortunately for Mickey, Ryan and Jack race down there and pry the jewel off the top of the box, which turns out to be the cursed object that is the transference of death and life and anything like that, they're able to pry that off and open the box just in time to free Mickey, but at the cost of the great Montero's life. Right. It's a bloody, bloody end, but... That means the item is... Recovered!
0: Wooing a fellow actor in the dressing room and getting Cosbeed. We all know that getting a Mickey in a drink or being or, roofied yeah. or whatever else it's been called over the millennia
2: right. <laughs> of, oh, yeah. of,
0: of humankind is very interesting. But I thought I would start a new paradigm of being Cosbeed because, as we all know, through process of adjudication, Bill Cosby has been rendered guilty of doing this to many women over the course of his career. And so this, sadly, while showcased inside this episode as something clear and this is how it happened, is not something new, nor is it rare.
2: No, no. And when the episode starts, this is Friday the 13th of the series, so you should think something sinister yeah, should be sure. afoot. Mm-hmm. But as the episode starts, you just think that this is a... A skeezy old man mm-hmm. who can only get girls by drugging, drugging them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I like that it turns incredibly sinister. And then there's a nice
2: twist. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it came politely sinister. Mm-hmm. It's, oh no, I don't want to do anything tawdry with you, dear. I just want your life. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: I, I really enjoyed that. And I yeah. again, being able to take what is in general a negative and somehow turning it turn it into a positive aspect of storytelling
2: Kudos. Completely. While still remaining completely negative. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Quality casting and comparison of the last episode and this episode's pace. Casting and pace inside of just about every story. It doesn't matter if it's televised, whether it's streaming content, whether it's a feature film. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Having these two things is at least... 75 percent of anything successful that you'll see that you take in as entertainment
2: it's a big hurdle in the battle of of being able to do storytelling visual storytelling yes
0: it's amazing and inside of this episode there are there are at least three or four people that because they're casted perfectly Mm. inside the episode it helps propel the pace of the episode but it also gives you any caring about what's going on, the the one that struck me the most, I think, is probably Jack's lifelong friend, in the, the guy that
2: runs the the magic house yeah. place. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah it, it was tremendous. He has very little in the way of lines, but everything that he had was impactful, and it makes connective tissue back to Jack, which is the guy you care about. Mm-hmm. And any time that you can do that inside of storytelling, I think that that is an absolute win.
2: And that adds to the main characters, the characters that we're always going to be seeing, that adds to their character development. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a really crappy character that's from some one of our main characters past not doing a really great performance, you're not going to care to remember right. that point. But right. when you've got somebody, when, you've, when you hire talented character actors for either good or evil characters, and they bring forth the performance... You're going to remember that. And two, three seasons from now, if this was a different show that actually had four or five seasons, but seasons down the road, you're going to remember, oh, yeah. Remember that guy who Jack was friends with back when he was a magician? You're going to remember that stuff because of the casting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the second portion of this point is pace. Uh, Again, I've... Uh, we can mix in casting with pace, but frankly, if you've just got really great pace inside of storytelling, that's half the road
2: work. That right is there. half the road, yes. And
0: this, I think that this episode is paced really, really well. There's a couple of places where it slows down where it needs to, but then gets ratcheted back up very mm-hmm. quickly, especially as we get towards the end of the episode. Very well
2: done. Where a show like this is concerned, you need to have those moments of building tension, building tension, building tension. <gasps> Oh, release, and then we ramp it back up. Mm-hmm. And that this episode is perfect for that.
0: Yeah. Filing down a perfectly good key. This is very interesting and a, uh, a criminal solution to something I'd never even thought of. Because while it's definitely filed down so far that inside of the trick that happens here, the key snaps off. That's mm. not good. Right. But remember that if all you need to do is make sure that the key doesn't work, all you've got to do is file it a tiny little bit and the key won't work. Right, yeah. And so I, not to tell everyone how I'm going to commit my next act of criminal activity, (laughs) but man, that's really interesting. Not only have I never seen that, I've never even thought of that, where if somebody needed to get in or out of something based on a key, if you were to just file enough off of a key that it wouldn't work, It would instantly be the speed bump to success of getting out of some place, or in this case, out of a straitjacket that helps you not die.
2: And when you think about it, even if somebody was checking their equipment, unless you're looking at that key, like like scrutiny laser scrutiny. It's inside the jacket. Okay, there's the key. Everything's fine. Yeah. So so it's it's a brilliant way. To knock somebody off during a magic trick. Yeah,
0: I I, th- I think that's one of my favorite pieces inside of this episode, as well as uh, storytelling in general. I've mm-hmm. never seen that before. That's very cool. Twists and female mustache twirling. I love it when they bother to take a female and turn her into a villain. In this case, not just a villain, but a mustache-twirling villain.
2: Right, right. I,
0: I like that because we just, frankly, don't get it often enough. When it is done, it's done so typically over the top that you just can't hardly stand it. Uh, this, one, it was out of left field. Mm-hmm. They. hmm they were able to loop it out enough that you weren't instantly oh and she's the killer right right and i appreciate that especially having her being demeaned and, and downtrodden on during the beginning of the episode with the father i thought that was incredibly effective storytelling
2: yeah the way that they've portrayed female villains so far in this show and we've on, we've only had two we've only had two there was the uh there was the uh, the fourth episode uh, the cup of time mm-hmm. Where he had the uh, the old lady who uh, started stealing lady the Gada homeless, asked. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, lady die. That's, yes, that, that's that, a, that is a lady, lady die Di. mm-hmm. uses the the cup to steal the homeless people's youth so that she can continue rocking. Mm-hmm. There was no real monologue in there. There was no like like oh I'm evil and I want to do this. It was just I really want to be young and mm-hmm. I want to be pretty and I want to be popular. Yeah. This is the is the opposite of that spectrum. Yeah. This is actually somebody who is just malevolently evil. Yeah. I'm the one who's making my father this name. He's not the great Montero. I'm the great Montero.
0: Yeah I, yeah. yeah. I really appreciated that. And again, it, it really leads to the second aspect of this point, which is the double-sided titling of this episode. Yeah. When you look at the, the title of this episode, again, for those that are curious, it's the great Montero, M-O-N-T-A-R-O. When you look at that, and you go, the great Montero. Awesome. That's a man, except that it's not a man right. in the end.
2: But it's also a very generic title. Yes, yeah. You know, most of these episodes so far have been named after the cursed object mm-hmm. that's about it. So, I mean, it could have been called the Houdan Box or the Trunk of Doom or something like that. Yeah. And, you still, getting, right, and right. you still would have gotten right. And you still would have given an idea of it. But having a gender-neutral title. Which makes you, it makes it feel very innocuous, but then by the end of the episode, it makes perfect sense. It's like, oh, it's yeah. it's the light bulb moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate that. And again, very smart writing, and the ability to loop things in that don't really fit, except that they're satisfying when they do. Mm. How does the daughter go to jail? Uh yes, ma'am. My name is Inspector Wetzitz, and. Um, Wondering if you could tell me how your father died, please. Oh, yeah, he was a dumb old man and got in a box and was impaled by silver blades. Goodbye. So does she skate?
2: I think this uh, this is one of those cases where there wasn't enough time to delve into everything that needed to be delved into. Mm -hmm. Had we maybe another three minutes of this episode... We could, have, uh, we, we could have seen the process of Mickey informing the police that, okay, this crazy woman locked me in this box. Now, of course, they're not going to say this box is cursed and I would have died, but I was locked in this box. You need to take a look at the other bodies that were found here during this because they all look like accidents. Yeah, Be, and, sure, be and, sure you
0: look at the male dressed as a woman's wig because this man over here handled it. Awesome. And most, Great, and most
2: specifically, <laughs> look at the sawdust. Yeah. The truth is in the sawdust. <laughs> sure and it then, is. And then that's when, you know, David Caruso walks in and takes <laughs> off the sunglasses. sunglasses. <laughs> He's like, well, this is one magical murder.
0: <laughs> wow! <laughs> and, and, again, so I, I get that they they can then point to the, the, the real murders that happened, but the, you know... It, it's where, as a as a villain or a villainess in this case, you you would kind of go, you know, you would just kind of brush it off of your shoulder and go, "What are you going to do? You've, you're going to go tell the cops real quick that you've been saved from this from this box that you'd have been murdered in had." you've been in there and my father would have lived there's no way to there's no way to do
2: that they wouldn't do that but but there is the possibility of of even if even if they didn't even if our our intrepid heroes did not point the police in the direction of hey take a look at her uh, the simple fact that she was a part of the trick and her father died there'd definitely be some sort of investigation maybe even if somebody really wanted to maybe some involuntary manslaughter charges mm-hmm. So I don't think she's gonna skate, but I, again, I, I kind of think that had we had a few more minutes or a little bit more detective work, that would have shown more clues, damning clues mm-hmm. pointing to her. Mm-hmm. Then we could have had an open and shut case. Who who knows? Maybe the great Montero will return. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's possible. I have no idea.
2: I have no, I idea. I have I, no idea, and well, I doubt it. But what I,
0: what I do think this could have come down to is that especially in our, what I think, reasonably long end piece here inside of this episode, mm-hmm. inside of their two or three lines back and forth between the three of them about how they mentioned to the police that during the investigation of the father's death that blah.
2: It was lucky. It was they, they found very, the gloves that were that she was wearing when she killed What's-His-Face. Yeah exactly we've said something, this before something like that. sometimes one or two lines all you have to do is add in those one or two lines and and everything's solved boom right
0: and picture becomes clear and yeah. light bulb's gone that's yeah. what that's what I was looking for from that isn't being an individual that goes in the box being complicit let me explain if I'm the father and I'm going into the box that's going to be impaled by giant razor sharp steel blades but i know i'm not going to be killed because insert cool cursed boxness am i not complicit because if you didn't know that the box thing was there you're just an idiot you you, you nobody gets into a box where they know razor sharp blades are going to penetrate it with you in it and goes ah yeah so no nobody does that and so going into the box would instantly have to mean that you are complacent. I, I yeah. I'm trying to imagine the world where someone that is a magician, who typically are incredibly smart people. I I think I think for anybody that thinks that people that have do magic are stupid, that's not the case. No, at all. I mean that,
2: that's they, difficult stuff, man. Not only
0: is it difficult stuff to just wrap your mind around, but it's almost always physically demanding work too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that's been left outside of probably just about any investigative element of what happens inside of uh, uh, magic is that very often they are incredibly physically gifted to do the things that they can inside of the cone of whether you are being seen or you're not being seen. Right. The great Houdini is probably the best sample of this where I don't have it. I don't have a list of physical things that he could do that you and I could never do. Not in our wildest dreams, yeah. but they are at least as long as my arm. And so just remember that the the smart factor is already there. If you were a magician and got into a box and you just think, well, God's going to make sure I don't get impaled. (laughs) Okay, well, you probably deserve to get impaled then. But you would ask the question. You would go, hey, uh, daughter, thank you so much for getting this all set for me. It's gorgeous looking. I can't wait to impress the audiences. I I, I do have one question, however. How does this work? (laughs) How do I not not die? And if he never asked that question, then you have to assume that, especially in his case, he's complicit.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and in this case, it just didn't work out for him. Right. Um, what will also roll in here, just because of the format of the program, is the physical look of him dying is extraordinary. Oh, Yeah. Inside of this, and a total nod of the cap to everybody that was involved in either concepting it, the actor for pulling it off, more more importantly, the special effects team Mm -hmm. that helped to make sure you saw something decent inside of this.
2: Mike, I tell you what, I I really would like to take this corset off. I'm I'm not feeling very comfortable anymore.
0: (sighs) Okay. Well, if we've got to be sharp and smart, then I say Nick is out of the corset. (laughs) It's time to take a break here during the Curious Goods podcast. We will be right back.
2: Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With Perpetual Advertising, here's how it works. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors.
1: The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com
2: Dead-end job, lackluster love life, poor social skills, sometimes reality sucks. What better way to find a brief escape than with video games? Let Two Guys Talking Horror take you on a journey through the dark side of gaming with Game Over, the history of survival horror in video games. Get in on all the pixelated gore at TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com. That's TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com. When it comes to security and law enforcement procedures, there's no such thing as too much information. Come get your free helping of free field training from Officer Tommy Model at FreeFieldTraining.com. That's FreeFieldTraining.com.
0: Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 6 The Great Montero. Every time we come back from break, it's time to unveil our Curious Goods. The curious goods from Nick and I are where we spotlight an actor's portrayal, a special effect that struck us, or something else that tripped our collective review evening fantastic. Nick, what have you got?
2: Well, my curious good for this episode is, is very generalized, actually. It's the concept of the episode as a whole. Mm. The whole magician angle uh, I'm I'm very fascinated with when when I was younger I was absolutely enamored with magic. Mm-hmm. Even picked up a book on on sleight of hand. Tried to and and even tried a little prestidigitation myself. It was not for me. Mm-hmm. I have very big, meaty hands, so you can't do any kind of sleight of hand stuff with that. So unfortunately, <laughs> the the career the magician career of the great Nicarini. <laughs> Nicorini. Lived and died in the summer of 1990. Okay, but I've still enjoyed anything that deals with magic, illusion, stuff like that. And this episode, this episode took me back to not only all the times watching uh, any of those TV specials that David Copperfield would mm-hmm. put on, yep. Yep. but it also reminded me of a film called Lord of Illusions mm. by Clive Barker. Barker right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring the great Scott Bakula. Very similar to that film, Scott Bakula, who is a private detective, ends up going and inserting himself into the world of magicians. Mm-hmm. Into a very, very similar location, to mm. a magic house, or I think they called it the Magic Castle mm. in L.A. Sure. And it it just, this episode reminded me of that movie Mm. and just, just brought back all the feels for that. So, so yeah, that's, that is my curious good. Mm. I think that's
0: a great one. What I really liked about this episode that I can showcase in almost two or three words for you is (laughs) successful Scooby-Doo episode. (laughs) And that is exactly what I felt as I'm about halfway through this episode. It's like, boy, this, this really (laughs) does feel familiar and what this episode turns into, with every negative aspect being left out, right, is a real life minus dog minus
2: all
0: that, all that is not there, and it's the best Scooby Doo episode I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, the, the, I, that's that's, that's uh, <laughs> wow. That that actually is a wonderful way of, of describing the detective work. That Jack, Mickey, and Ryan pulled off in this episode. Yeah,
0: and I mean, they, kudos. The, there sir. is a there is a it's a, not an unmasking, but an unwigging. Yeah. So there is an unwigging yeah. moment. Old there, Man Withers. Yeah, there is. There are at least several scenes where it's Mickey, Ryan's just behind her, and then behind him is Jack. In very much any scene you would have ever seen out of a Scooby Doo episode. Yeah. Where it's one of the three char- or three of the characters being portrayed one shot, and then uh, Scooby and Shaggy inside of another one as the, as the I can't believe it was Dr. Johnson moment. Yeah. That, that might have been the only thing that was really physically missing is the cops being in frame, the whirling lights behind them, and then you get to see them put the shackles onto the daughter as she's being pulled away and she looks back and
2: says, "Curses, you kids!" I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you and your, your bearded magician. <laughs> right. But it is. It, 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 it is the
0: living embodiment of a successful Scooby-Doo episode. So kudos completely. That's where we ask you guys, what was your Curious Good inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side and fill out the quick web form. Tell us what was your Curious Good.
2: Vocabulary.
0: Everyone's familiar with the concept of vocabulary, especially inside the cone of the Curious Goods Podcast. What you may not know is that we're also going to be revisiting a vocabulary word that allows us to harken back to the original mission of what we're doing here inside of the program. And so I give you...
2: Manifest.
0: Manifest, according to our friends over at virtualthesaurus.com, provides the word as a noun in that... A customs document listing the contents put onto a ship or plane. Inside of law circles, it also means a document that states some contractual relationship or grants some right. There's also a couple of other uses that I thought were very interesting. As an adjective, clearly revealed to the mind or senses or judgment. That's a very interesting one. And then, of course, a verb. Who doesn't use this as a verb, right? Provide evidence for stand as proof of, show by one's behavior, attitude, or external attributes. And I thought that that was a very interesting thing that I know I would not have just thought of thought of off the top of my head. Right. So I wanted to make sure we talked about that inside of our vocabulary segment here. That's where we ask you guys, what struck you inside this episode in regard to vocabulary? Let us know what you think by going to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side. Fill out the quick web form with whatever vocabulary struck you inside this episode. Ah, the rating! Our favorite piece of what happens inside of the Curious Goods podcast, usually. And this one is no exception. The scale works thusly. Ten is on top of the heap. <laughs> A great Scooby-Doo laugh. On the bottom, loinks. Something, anything ever that Shaggy has said inside of any Scooby-Doo episode. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies.
2: Nick, what do you got? This one is difficult to rate for me. Because every time I think I have it pegged down, the chemistry set that we have here on the Curious Goods podcast always shakes things up. Because That's why I podcast. What, totally. one, yeah, one way or the other, I always... And, and it's, it's, it's a back and forth type of thing because sometimes you are enlightened by things mm-hmm. that I discover and yeah. I'm enlightened by things that you discover. Mm-hmm. I had an idea of how I was going to rate this when I finished watching the episode. Then halfway through this episode capture, I had an idea of how I was going to rate this episode and it changed. And now here I am. I'm I it's it's time for me to rate this episode and my rating has changed yet again. Mm. From from two different pre- previous ones. I, uh, there was only maybe one or two real dings in this episode. No no real like slaps in the face of, "Oh wow, that was stupid." Mm-hmm and we didn't spend a lot of time really complaining about this that or the other thing i can't in good conscience give this episode anything less than a 9 because this was this was a stellar episode but we're so early into this series that i don't want to give it a 10 because there may be better episodes mm-hmm. I feel, Even though I think it, it could be a 10 episode, it, it definitely could, but I feel like the more realistic rating would be a 9.
0: 9 is a solid number for this episode. I'm going to take a cue from you there, and because we're so early in the show as a run, I'm going to chalk my 9 down to an 8. Hmm. Something that struck me as we were... Again, it's that wonderful chemistry set of podcasting right uh, my father was steeped in sleight of hand magicianry, oh really, and uh my bonus mom has sent me all of his stuff, all of which I know almost nothing about
2: yeah. uh
0: i don't I don't think that that's a regret that's shining through, but I literally know nothing about any of the sleight of hand stuff that he sent me, mostly because i I never latched on. I mm-hmm. never latched on to the, I want to be moving my hands slowly so that you don't know what I'm doing thing. Tapping on a bowl and suddenly more balls appear thing. I, yeah. it, it it never struck me, but my dad was absolutely enamored with sleight of hand magicianry. It reminds me more that I wonder how much of my dad I'm going to start finding inside of Jack Marshack. Mm-hmm. As we go throughout this series, Uh, again, for those that are curious, my dad died early inside of January this year, uh, 10 days before his birthday. And wouldn't that be a nice nod to suddenly discover my dad and more of the magicianry inside of a television show he was enamored to? And maybe this is why. So that that also uh, that sparks up the number there inside of our little chemistry set as I continue to think. There you go. Uh, But yeah, a definitive eight. And that's where we ask you guys, what do you give this episode? Season one, episode six, The Great Montero. Go to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click on the right hand side of the page. Fill out that quick web form and tell us what you think. Until you are able to be sealed into the coffin of blood and come out unscathed. I am Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts.
2: And I am Nicholas J. Hearn. Happy to be out of this corset.
0: I think I'm blind. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed.
2: Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm your other host. <laughs> and I'm Nick. Wow. It's like I forgot how to podcast.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
2: Later, bitches. And I'm Nicholas J. Hur and your other host. <laughs> <laughs> what? I got it right that time. Nick, some quick housekeeping. Insert the
0: And then we get that bug again. Fuck. <sighs> All right. <laughs>